Hi guys, this is your host Ola and welcome to the All Things Money podcast where I'm here to discuss all things money from budgeting, saving, investing and everything else in between. Now, with the cost of living on the rise, we all know that this is having an impact on how much disposable income we are being left with at the end of each month. As a result of this, many of you guys have asked me whether or not you should reduce your pension contributions that you can either have more disposable income or so you are able to save more money towards your emergency fund. To discuss why it may not be a great idea to reduce your pension contributions, I am joined with Oren Cole, a UK financial advisor. Hi Oren, how are you doing today? Hello Ola, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks very much for having me on. A big topic, this is going to be a big topic, and I'm yeah. anxious to see what happens after I say these things, but understandably that's going to be a big question around mm-hmm. the UK at the minute with the cost of living crisis. So I'm interested to see where the conversation goes. Thanks yeah. very much for having me on. No, you're welcome. I'm very excited as well to have this conversation. And it's been a very overdue time that you actually come on the podcast. So I'm glad you're finally here with me today. Like you said, it's going to be a huge topic of conversation. Like I said, so many people have asked me in the DMs with the one-to-ones I host, things like that. So I think it'll be great to hear your opinion today. But before we obviously delve into all things pensions, please introduce yourself to everyone listening. So as you know, my name's Owen. I'm a UK financial planner. Um, I have a few degrees, um, which I got before I joined the financial services industry. And I hope to be getting my chartered status this year. I have about two exams left before I do that. So keep an eye on what happens. Generally, I give advice on investments, pensions, insurance. I have a mortgage license, but I don't do them. I don't normally mm-hmm. do mortgages. And as part of a FTSE 100 wealth management firm, our job is really to give a whole plethora of advice across everything that you really could think of well beyond sample financial planning um, which is why I've, I have become part of this particular company for a reason and so that's me I'm from Northern Ireland I've been in the financial services game for about five years I'm good crack and I'm easy to talk to <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm actually quite good at financial planning I have to say but I just do it in a way that's slightly different to other people so that's yeah, me. Absolutely and like you said you know you got good crack and I've seen your great content online on Instagram and on TikTok. You do a very good job at TikTok compared to myself. We won't talk about my TikTok account right now. So obviously you, <laughs> you share great financial advice online. So I'm keen to know what inspired you to start sharing it. Well, the first thing that I'm going to say, which is just a, a grammatically correct way of saying it, is that the stuff that I say online is not to be construed as advice. It is mm-hmm. the things that surround advice. Obviously, it's educational in the first instance, but the advice itself will be reflected in somebody's personal circumstances directly related to what I'm saying. So yeah. although I'm, say, I'm sharing the stuff on a general basis, it's so people can learn how these things mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when it comes to actually giving advice, they can come to me directly and I can yeah. give them advice based on their circumstances through the normal process. But as a, uh, to answer your question, and we talked about this before, is that, we have seen a lot of this stuff, uh, personal finance and money tips and all this sort of stuff been talked about a lot more and more and more uh, frequently over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And so I think that naturally as a financial planner and somebody who's part of the same generation as a lot of these people who are doing this type of thing, just like yourself, I just thought that it would be a good way to remove some of the barriers that people would face when it comes to getting these types of services. Yeah. When we think... And I, would, I don't know, I don't want to speak for everybody, but when I was younger, my common perception would be going to see an accountant or going to see a financial planner, going to see a lawyer. Is this big thing that you have to be anxious and apprehensive about? Mm-hmm. But in reality, that is so far from the truth um, yeah. where 
people might think somebody will judge them. I that's not the case. And so me doing this online is basically to break that barrier and make people feel more comfortable, get some basic information so they can become more financially literate yeah. instead of being illiterate. And if it comes to the point where they need more specific information or more specific advice or whatever it may be, they can just contact me and they won't feel comfortable doing that. That is the yeah. main thing. Because yeah. it's not out there anywhere else. So you know that. So yeah. that, that's my goal. That's my goal. No, I love that. And you make it so accessible, especially knowing your financial planning background. I think it also makes it easier yeah. to, you know, approach yourself. And like you said, I think there's this preconceived idea that all financial planners are very expensive. They're very obtuse exactly. is that the word or like very like corporate and scary looking yeah. and uh-huh. you know if you're uh-huh. like in your 20s it's very scary to kind of approach someone like yourself 100%. but obviously mm-hmm. now we have you on the podcast so we have access to Oren guys so I hopefully mm-hmm. you guys enjoy this podcast episode today mm-hmm. so obviously we are here to discuss pensions and why yeah. they are so beneficial but let's start with the basics in case someone's listening and doesn't actually know what pension is would you do the honors in explaining what a pension is okay so Essentially, a pension is a product, and an investment product as such, with a set of rules and tax advantages mm-hmm. where people can be encouraged to put money away for their future retirement. So a pension itself will have a certain set of rules that dictate how you can access it, the tax benefits that you'll get. And if you want me to be more specific, these are numbers that can do this. And the amount of time that it can be invested, what it can be invested in, and mm-hmm. the ways that you can potentially access it in the future. So yeah. essentially, if you if you want to put it in simple terms, a pension is a bank account that can be invested to grow, but it can't be accessed for a certain period of time. But in rewarding you for putting money away for your future, the government will give you a reward of tax relief, basically on the money you put up. So yeah. bank account on steroids is basically what I call it. It's a bit amazing. So, and it's funny because I feel like, especially when it comes to all things money, like I'm such an advocate with young people learning to invest at a young age and people are always scared about investing because they're like, oh, it's too risky, it's too risky. But guys, if you're listening, if you have a workplace pension, you are an investor already. And I think people forget that. I think, you know, it's funny that everyone thinks, oh, investing is really risky, but I don't hear anyone screaming about the risk on their pension. No, they don't because... (laughs) I'll, I'll make it I'll, I'll make it simple there's a lot of people out there that don't actually know what their pension is mm. your workplace pension is essentially a 40 to 50 year investment yeah. but you just don't know about it number one because you might never actually pay attention to the paperwork that comes yes. in your emails or comes in your front door or in your post and the second thing is that they probably in some ways they don't care they're just thinking I'm putting money away into yeah. something and I'm going to get it when I'm 55 and I'll see what happens then but the the thought of a 40-year investment is obviously much more comfortable mm-hmm. than the thought of a three- or five-year investment or a 10-year yes. investment in something like an ISA. So, yeah, you're completely right. Nobody talks about risk in their pensions because half of them may not actually understand that their pension is invested for the future yeah. to grow. Yeah, no, exactly. And one key word you said is workplace pension. So, obviously, in the UK, we have a workplace pension that you can enroll to yep. if you're employed. Uh-huh. Would you be able to explain what a workplace pension is and how it works, especially with like the minimum contributions, etc.? Right. So there's a few different types of workplace pensions, obviously, and you know that. And most people will know that. The the most common thing is called auto enrollment now. Auto enrollment mm-hmm. is basically the legal obligation that an employer has to an employee 
when they are eligible for a pension, they have to set one up. So there's certain rules that come along with that, which yeah. means the employer and the employee, if they stay opted on the pension, have to pay a minimum amount of money under their pension to meet the rules of the scheme. So yeah. the common ones will be NEST and the People's Pension, Workers' Pension Trust. They're all auto-enrollment schemes. You also have occupational or workplace schemes for bigger companies that might be put through some of the main providers that you'll see on the television or on the news or whatever, mm-hmm. like Standard Life and Aviva and Prudential and St. James's Place and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And so the the workplace pension themselves is basically a situation where if you work somewhere and you make a certain amount of money, you pay into your pension for the future and your employer is also obligated to pay into the pension too. Does that make sense? Yeah. Amazing. And then I guess, you know, so in the UK, I believe off the top of my head, the minimum contribution if you are auto-enrolled is 8%. Am I correct? That's the total between employer and employee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the bare minimum. Obviously, you could come across and I come across people that their employer would pay 12% under their pension if they mm-hmm. paid 5% or 6%. Yes. That is yeah. the basic amount. And that is basically to create a standard whereby everybody is encouraged to save for the future because mm-hmm. pre-2015 or 2016, when auto-enrollment legislation was actually introduced, it wasn't a legal obligation for you to have, an, have a pension with your employer. So right. you could work for 40 years, and if you didn't save any money, then you mightn't have anything to fall back on other than potentially a home with no mortgage on it or some savings or whatever. Yeah. And obviously the government have recognised this as a way of giving everybody a certain standard of living in retirement if they if they use this money wisely and invest it wisely mm-hmm. over the over thirty five years of your career, basically from twenty to fifty five when you can legally access a pension. Yeah. Obviously that's going up to fifty fifty seven, I think, in twenty twenty eight now. Yeah, um, I mean at, so. by the time I retire, I don't know what I don't want to think what <laughs> age I can access my pension. So that's another topic for another day. But Obviously, there will probably be some people that are self-employed right now or some people that, you know, don't know the difference between a workplace pension and a self-invested personal pension, especially if they're going down the route of wanting to do their pension themselves. What is the difference between the two? So your workplace pension will usually be what's called a defined contribution pension. Mm -hmm. And you and your employer will both pay into a workplace pension, right? Workplace pensions like NEST, or even some workplace pensions that are through the bigger providers are actually quite limited in the actual investment selection that a, an investor can have. Mm-hmm. So if you take the auto enrollment schemes as a simple example, most of them only have a low, medium, or high risk option of how you want to invest your money yeah. for the long term. Some will have target date funds where you are targeting the retirement in 2050 or 2060. So they invest the money accordingly. But you don't really have any flexibility or autonomy over if you want to invest your money in the UK market, the US market, yeah. European, Japanese, across different assets, all, all varying risk levels. If you if you wanted to do that, right? Some private pensions do, but generally the standard auto enrollment schemes will not, right? Mm-hmm. The rules of the SUPS, which is a self-invested personal pension, basically means that the person with a SUP can self-direct how they invest the money. And the SUP itself will have so much more variety of things that you can actually invest in in terms of securities than your average NEST pension. So you consider NEST has lower medium or or upper medium risk, which will be a a variation of 
assets between mostly stocks and bonds and the mm-hmm. stock market right and they're distributed globally whereas in a self-invested personal pension you can have probably you can invest in unquoted companies unlisted companies you can invest in single shares real estate investment trusts mm-hmm. commercial property you can invest in your and in, in actual businesses limited companies and things like that depending on who the provider is of the stuff yeah so yeah some are obviously more restricted than others but at the end of the day they have a, a much wider variety of what you can invest in generally you will find that people use subs self-employed people or business owners mm-hmm. with the hope or the thought or intention of buying commercial property to do what their business or relation yeah. to their business otherwise if you aren't planning on doing that or you don't have a really specific reason why you're investing in a sub itself then you don't really need one yeah you could just use your workplace pension or uh, a personal pension through one of the, the standard providers, mm-hmm. which has more flexibility than auto enrollment schemes, but it doesn't have as much more uh, flexibility as a SUP. And just to finish that off, generally SUPs are more expensive than your standard pensions. Right. Unless you use one of the big platform providers that cap fees at a certain amount. But mm-hmm. generally, if you were to open the SUP through a financial planner like me, the, the setup costs could run into the thousands whenever you're using private banks and, and sub providers in, in the UK. So unless it's appropriate, you don't need a sub private pension. Personal pension, personal pension, private pension, or workplace pension, that's fine. Amazing. No, thank you so much for breaking that down so clearly. Because again, you know, there'll probably be some self-employed people wondering yeah. about that. But I feel yeah. like the majority of people that are probably listening in today will have a workplace pension or are maybe maybe self self-employed now but previously had a workplace pension. So I feel like that's probably the most relatable. Yeah. So mm-hmm. obviously like I mentioned in the intro, some people are interested in pulling out of their workplace pension. Mm. Very, very go. interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> that obviously they can have more disposable income. And to be honest guys, I completely understand why you might be thinking that because obviously we're currently living in this cost of living crisis. Some people don't have enough money to make ends meet. So they're probably thinking, why should I be spending X amount in my pension? Yeah. So it's a completely valid question. But Yeah, it Oren, is a valid question. Yeah. yeah. But I'm keen to hear your opinion, Oren. Should people stop contributing to their pension? No, they definitely should not stop. Mm-hmm. The problem is, right, and this, I'm, I'm somebody who's not going to uh, dwindle on the technicalities of pensions or whatever. I'm trying to think about what it actually means for the person that's working. Yes. So, yes, cost of living has risen. Mm-hmm. Things are more expensive. We have an energy crisis of some sort. We have a reduction in the in the pay scales and the way that pay is moving over a period of time. House prices are rising and so on and so forth. I get that. Everybody gets that. Mm-hmm. Even wealthy people get that. But they still continue to pay on their pension. Even rich people, even people who own multiple businesses, they are still taking advantage of pensions. Yeah. And the people who are earning a lot of money in their jobs, right? The problem with opting out of your pension now is, yes, you will have some extra money on a monthly basis. And don't get me wrong, some people may need that money. Mm. But my personal view is that you need to find somewhere else in your finances where you can cut that money out so that you have the money that you need as opposed to opting out of your pension. Because the damage that you will do to your life by opting out of a pension just for the purpose of having an extra hundred pounds a month or two hundred pounds a month yeah. for the next two years will cost you in the tens of thousands of pounds in the future when you're mm-hmm. retired. Yeah. And it could actually bottom line, it could cost you retirement because if you don't have a pension when you're fifty five or sixty, 
and think, right, well, I have X amount of money here that when I'm 65 or 67, when I hit the pension needs that I can start accessing, if you don't have that and all you can rely on is a state pension or a full state pension, then you are in big trouble, big, mm-hmm. big trouble, mm-hmm. because you know yourself and people listening might know that the economy runs in cycles. Everything's cyclical. Prices fall and prices rise. Yeah. House prices fall, house prices rise. Unfortunately, we are in a period of expansion of those prices. And in some way or form, they will contract on a relative basis and eventually things will get better. That's There's no doubt about that because pay will increase. Things will get relatively more stagnant in their pricing and, yeah. and inflation will come down. Inflation can't stay where it is right now. Yeah, you, you know that, that. I know that. Mm-hmm. So things are being done to try and curve that, and ultimately that will make things better, right? So if you're somebody who's thinking, should I opt out of my pension to have an extra few hundred pounds a month? If you multiply the amount of money that you're going to put away into a pension from now until you're 55 or 60, do the math, multiply it up, then multiply for a conservative rate of growth, which could be five or six or seven percent a year mm-hmm. based on how it's invested. Then you have to factor in the cost of the employer contribution that you're basically giving away. Yes. So you're saying you're basically going to work and go, right, I'm up and out of my pension because I want a hundred pound a month or two hundred pound a month extra in my placement. And your employer sits back in the chair and goes, Happy days. We don't have to pay you three hundred pounds on your pension anymore. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, quick mass, right? Three hundred pound a month employer contribution in one year is two and a half grand or two thousand four hundred pounds. Yeah. Over ten years, twenty four grand. Over twenty years, forty eight grand. And it's a lot so they of money. basically are getting out of giving you forty eight grand over the next twenty years, mm. plus the fact that that money would have been invested too. Yes. So you're potentially talking up to 100 grand that you've just taken out of your own pocket. Mm-hmm. So that you have an extra 100 pounds a month to be able to go out and socialize or it really could be somebody who needs it for their living costs. And yeah. I understand that. But I think that it's really, really important that you think twice. And my answer, my personal answer would be no, unless you are absolutely forced to yeah. opt out of a pension, which... Yeah in 99% of cases will not be the case mm-hmm. stay in your pension people stay in mm-hmm. yeah thank you so much for saying that because I'm very reluctant to try and give advice to people but I feel like with your qualifications you're probably the best person to kind of yeah. encourage people with this type of information and you know guys all of you a lot of you asked me what my financial goals are this year and one of my main goals is to try and keep contributing to my pension regardless of yeah. how much that is just mm-hmm. because I know how much I'm going to need that when I retire. So I've always said I want to retire on a beach and that's not going to happen if I'm not staying (laughs) contributing how much I need to contribute every month. So my aim, especially with a personal pension because I'm self-employed, it's really important that I, even if times get tough, I mean, fortunately the business is still running okay, but I make sure that I'm Mm -hmm. putting in a set amount so I know that I can, one, retire early and two, retire on a beach because guys, the state pension is pennies. I, I saw the other day, I think the current state pension is like, just over £7,000 a year, and that's the full state pension, guys. And, I mean, I know, and I can live a quite frugal life. I know I could not live off seven and a half grand a year just on the state pension alone. So, yeah, so thank you so much, Ryan, for breaking that down so clearly. And I think also, you know, Mm -hmm. you mentioned about 
some of the benefits people can lose if they stop contributing to their workplace pension, including the employer contribution. But what other benefits will people lose if they stop contributing to their workplace pension? Well, one of the major ones is the the fact that in, in pensions are inheritance tax efficient vehicles, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're somebody who has a decent job in London or wherever you may be in, in England or the rest of the United Kingdom, and you accumulate five or six hundred thousand pounds in a pension, that is all free of inheritance tax because oh. a pension legally is that way. That's the way a pension is. Much okay. if you need it. So if you're somebody who has six hundred grand in a pension or somebody who has six hundred grand in savings, those are two very different things. Right. The person with money and a pension will be a lot more protected. And so whenever you come to pass, unfortunately that will happen. I know I know it's morbid. But the benefits of keeping your money in a pension, if you don't need it, are obviously outweighed keeping money in bank accounts for mm. your family or your loved ones after you pass away. That's that's the government. The government set up those rules where pension funds are not inheritance tax liable because okay. pension funds are outside of your estate. That is that is the law. That's the rules of a pension. Whereas things like ISAs, things like lifetime ISAs, cash ISAs, they are all legally part of your estate. So right. if you have... 600 grand in an ISA, 600 grand in a pension. The ISA could lose 40% if you're over mm-hmm. the inheritance tax plan, whereas the pension can't. So that's yeah. one of the big benefits that not a lot of people know of. Another benefit would be the ability to pass money seamlessly to your family. So when you have a pension, you can actually write it into a trust fund. And that oh. trust fund can have beneficiaries who might be people in your family, your children or your spouse and things like that. And generally what happens is if you pass away, and you don't have the right things in place, it can take a long period of time for your family members to access your estate and get mm-hmm. your money and access your properties and so on and so forth. Obviously, that's not the, the sole purpose in life is to access your stuff, but mm-hmm. this is the, the straight truth of it. Whereas if you have your pension fund written under your trust and say your spouse or your children are the beneficiaries, within sort of a period of weeks, they could actually be accessing that money with those things in place as opposed okay. to having to go through solicitors and having to go through all these mm-hmm. other types of processes to get access to. So those are the main benefits. And the, the biggest benefit, as you as you know, that I haven't talked about yet, is actually. Yes. And you're, you're, and you're probably with not me to say that, but I thought I would go for the more on the ones first. And this is the big one. So mm-hmm. majority of people who earn less than, if you earn less than 50,000 pounds or 50,000, pounds, you only pay 20% tax. You know yeah. that. And so whenever you pay into a pension, you get 20% tax relief on all the money you put in. Mm-hmm. So if you put £100 into your pension, you get uh, £125 in. You get £25 of tax relief. Or if you want to put £100 gross in, you only pay 80 So you, yes. get £20, you get £20 free. So that's the case for somebody who's a basic with taxpayer. Um, and over the course of, again, a 20-year period, if you add all those £25 up or £50 up, that's a lot of money that yeah. the government is willing to give you. And if you don't actually take advantage of that, then you're basically letting the government away with something. And mm-hmm. so our society is in a place where we want to keep our government accountable for their actions. But at the same time, if we're willing to let them keep the money that we are legally entitled to, yeah. if we take advantage of it, then we can blame nobody but ourselves for not mm-hmm. taking advantage of that tax benefit. And so that's only for basic with taxpayers. If you think about guys who are 40% taxpayers or 45% taxpayers who are earning six figures plus or six up under the high six figures, 
they are losing a complete fortune if they yeah. don't take advantage of their pension. And obviously, you might have seen in the last few months that they're actually lowering the threshold for, for additional rate tax yeah. down to 125000 And so those people, again, who earn more than that are going to be even more penalised unless they use their pensions. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. I had a conversation with a guy recently who is earning more than that and he doesn't have a pension. So the first thing, at the end of the day, he's, he's young and he's just got into the game and this has all happened very quickly. Yeah. So he's obviously had the the prowess to come and speak to somebody like me because he knew he knows that there's something not right there because mm-hmm. of the, the taxes he's paying. But very quickly, I am going to be able to make a big difference to his taxes by doing what I'm going to do. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, that, that's probably not the perception a lot of people will have because not everybody earns that amount of money. But at the mm. end of the day, it still shows the benefits of what you can do with it if you take advantage of it. And that's the main yeah. thing. It's There's something there legally that you can avoid tax with, avoid inheritance tax with, grow your money, get tax relief, keep your money in a safe place, invest mm-hmm. it. So take advantage of it, please. Try not to opt out of it. And that's, that is the main benefits that you'll lose. Yeah. There's one more, which is whenever you have a workplace pension, if you pay into your pension, that comes out of your pay before you pay your taxes and national insurance. So that can save you a few pounds. And again, if you add that up over a 20-year period, that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, salary sacrifice is something else that people will need to consider as well and work out if that's right for them and in terms of the numbers and how that works. Generally, salary sacrifice saves national insurance for the employer as well. And the rule of thumb is that maybe the employer will pass on the extra national insurance savings to the to the the employee through their pension, mm-hmm. which is why they might pay ten percent instead of eight percent or whatever. Mm-hmm. As an additional benefit for giving up some of their salary. Whereas obviously self employed people don't have that luxury. Yeah. Self employed people have to work even more because there's no employer standing behind them mm-hmm. going, Well done, you work this <laughs> month and here's your couple of hundred quid for doing your work, which is mm. so which is crazy. Yeah. But obviously the there's income tax benefits and things like that for self-employed people using their pensions too, and you know that. At the end of the day, your accountant is your best friend when you're self-employed. If your accountant isn't encouraging you to get the most out of your money, pensions, and whatever you can do expenses-wise and through your self-assessments, get a new accountant because you yeah. need one, and you're definitely going to need one over the next 10 years. Mm. No point in having away money for free. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing those different benefits. There's a few. There's a good few guys. So yeah. if you're someone <laughs> listening right now, you're thinking you were unsure about, you know, whether or not you want to take it out. Hopefully Oren's done a good job of explaining why you shouldn't, because mm-hmm. there was a good few benefits that you would lose, especially the biggest one being you're giving away free money. Like you said, you know, your employer has to legally contribute a set certain amount every month towards your pension. And if you opt out of that, guys, you're losing free money for your retirement on the beach like myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you really mm-hmm. want to make sure you're doing that. And again, you know, we've, we all know how much we hate paying tax. And, you know, like you mentioned as well, if you stop contributing to your workplace pension, you will only get taxed more because, you know, your um, your your pay technically increases because obviously you're not contributing to your pension anymore. So, again, that's another huge benefit you're missing out on. But I definitely didn't know about the um, how you could pass your pension on to your family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Didn't pension know trust. that one. Pension trust is what they're called. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've heard of... Uh, 
life insurance is put in the trust. Have you yes. heard of that before? Yes. So it's the same. It's the same premise. So whenever you have a life insurance policy that pays out under your trust, people can access it immediately, and there's tax benefits for that. Mm-hmm. But when you have a pension that has a trust attached to it, then there's beneficiaries of that trust as well. So if something happens to you, the pension ownership of the pension straight away passes on to the beneficiary, so they can okay. access it much quicker. And so if you don't, this is another tip: if you don't have your pension written in trust, if you don't have beneficiaries nominated on your pension, workplace, self-employed, private or not, you really need to do that. And that's that's all general guidance, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, there's no advice on any of that. It's, these are just simple things that are yeah. really important. If these are the, the, the essentials and tick box, tick, 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 get them all done because it makes a difference, makes a yeah. difference in the future. That's something I'm going to have to do. Any tips on how mm. people can do it? Because I wouldn't have known that myself. So there's a few different ways you can do it. You can look at who your pension is with. Mm-hmm. So if you have a pension with the auto enrollment schemes, you could probably log in online and nominate beneficiaries online. Okay. But that doesn't necessarily mean the pension's in a trust now. So you have to mm-hmm. ask them as the pension and the trust. If you have a pension with all the sort of main UK providers, which you'll know of, your RLs, LNGs, Avivas, all M1s, you can get a discretionary or an absolute trust form from okay. the provider and you can decide how that pension's passed on. My personal opinion would be don't do it unless you're going to speak to somebody about it because okay. there's different types of trusts and the way mm-hmm. that they work is different. You can have, I'll give you a few examples. Uh, a discretionary pension trust means that you can change the people who potentially could benefit from this in the future over time. Right. Whereas whenever you use something called an absolute trust, that is absolutely unequivocally unarguable from, okay. from a certain point. So this, this is something that if you make the mistake here, then something happens with the person that you wanted to have your money, mm. then you're in a tricky situation. So right. that's all things that, albeit these are tick boxing exercises and things that you can do yourself, those are ones that I would definitely say go and get some guidance or advice from a financial advisor. And obviously a good financial advisor, if you have a pension through a financial advisor or a broker or whatever it may be, mm. they probably would have advised people to use a trust at some point or another. Um, but if they haven't, you can ask your advisor, say, is my pension in trust? What I have to do to make sure that can happen? Yeah. Because, look, the game that I'm in, you hear some real horror stories about mm. what happens to people. And death itself and people passing is already as bad as you can imagine. Yeah. Especially when it comes to the topic of money. Mm-hmm. Then when it comes to it's taking 12 or 15 or 24 months for people to tidy up a loved one's estate, especially when there's still a sting there. It can be really difficult to watch. Whereas in reality, if you do these simple things as soon as possible, including wills and power of attorney and all that sort of stuff, yes, yeah, it makes that whole process a lot easier. Mm. And that's that. Look, that's a wee bit off the topic of pensions, but just just something additional because it, yeah. it's simple, but it makes a big difference in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely, guys. You heard it here first. If you haven't already done those tick box exercises, then you need to do it this year, especially even if you, you know, you're even in a workplace at the moment and you're not sure if you're contributing to your pension or you may have withdrawn, but you want to, you know, contribute again. This is the year that we take control of our pension, guys, because, again, we want to be able to know that our future is secured. We don't want to be relying on the state pension if there's even one when we retire, because I know a lot of us guys who listen to the podcast are in our 20s. Who knows if there'll be a state pension there? So we want to know that. Now we are looking for looking after six year old us and 
our 60 year old selves so yeah this is the year guys that we look after our pension but honestly thank you so much Oren for joining me on the podcast today you have shared such invaluable information that you know I try my best to cover but you covered so many important aspects that I personally didn't even know myself so hopefully you guys have found it really useful as well before I let you go Oren if anyone listening would like to take advantage of your social media accounts where can they go to do so Oh, my main one is Instagram. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Oren Coyle Financial Advisor, which mm-hmm. is O-R-A-N-N. It's a weird spelling. And on TikTok, <laughs> I'm getting good at TikTok now. My, my videos get lots of views, but they're they're very short and simple. Mm-hmm. And my, my handle on TikTok is Oren Coyle Wealth. So Perfect. you can catch me on there. Send me a message. I reply to all my messages. As I say, I'm a bit of crack. There's no no ways of this. <laughs> and I just want to have um, some fun and get to know people same as you so mm-hmm. give me a follow people thank you very much yeah please please do guys i'll leave all of Oren's links in the podcast description as always but like he said he's got good crap he's got good knowledge guys go take advantage of it especially this year more than ever as we want to take control of our finances this year i feel like a lot of us really want to be financially empowered so you know this is the year we really really want to try and do it so yeah thank you so much again Oren. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of the All Things Money podcast. For more All Things Money, make sure you follow us on social media, subscribe to the podcast and make sure you tune back in next week.